0: Good morning, it's good to see you today. Thanks so much for being with us. At this time, I want to dismiss kids over here to my left, your right, and uh, to go to their environment today and learn about Jesus and have some fun. So, kids, you can make your way over there. Also, I want to invite the ushers to go ahead and serve us for tithes and offerings. They come forward and begin to serve us and get us uh, on that line. I have a couple announcements, and then we're going to jump into God's Word together. First off, I want to remind you, uh, coming up, August the twenty seventh. It's a Sunday. It's two weeks from today. We're gonna have a picnic together um, from five to seven p.m. at the Long Beach Pavilion. It's covered. It's shaded. Um, hopefully by then these hundred degree temperatures will have get gotten a little better. But you're gonna be on the on the beach, so there'll be a little breeze. Come and join us. Uh, bring yard games. Bring bring food for your family. We're just gathering together as a church family, just kind of hanging out and spending some time together. We had a great time last year at this event, so. Put it on your calendar, August the 27th, two weeks from today, 5 to 7 p.m. And uh, just just one more thing, and then I want to introduce our, our guest speaker. He's not really a guest, but he's he's he's, he's, a, he's our speaker today. I want to just remind you and put something, two things on your calendar. Number one, uh, September the 22nd is our night of worship. It's a Friday night. You'll hear more about that in the coming weeks. Also, ladies, there's a ladies' night out scheduled for September the 28th that I want you to put on your calendars as well. So at this time... Would you help me welcome uh, Stephen Creel as he comes? Give him a hand this morning. And we're going to continue in the series that we've been in. But, uh, but, but Stephen's going to speak this morning. And he's one of our elders. I so appreciate the, the guys that I get to work with that are elders here at Hope Church. Um, they're, they're a great group of guys. And uh, really proud of Stephen for doing this. Stephen and his wife Holly uh, were missionaries for a number of years in Mexico. And have come back to the States, I don't know, it's been six or seven years now. Um, came back into Long Beach and onto the coast. And, um, and so they're, they've been a, a part of our church here at Hope Church since the beginning. And really, really thankful for both of them. And I know that he has a, a word from God today, from God's word. And so uh, just welcome, get your hearts and your ears open as uh, God speaks to us uh, through Stephen this morning. Hey, good
1: morning, good morning. I am honored to be here and honored to speak And I will say that I have a confession to make right off the bat. I am a bit nervous this morning. Um, Two reasons. When I was here last time, probably about a year and a half ago, Pastor Kevin and his wife were out of town. So he's here today, so I'm like automatically having flashbacks from my days of college and speech class. You're standing there, and you're giving your speech, and you see the teacher back there taking notes, and you're like, man, what did I do wrong? What what am I saying wrong? And the second reason is, when Pastor Kevin's not up here, he leaves some big shoes to fill. Would you agree? Can we show our appreciation to Pastor Kevin for his leadership and dedication to Hope Church? So on that note, I'm going to ask you not to be taking any notes today, and I'll thank you in advance for your cooperation in this. So we've been in a series the last several weeks just simply called Summer at Hope. And what Pastor Kevin has been doing is just picking a topic and kind of diving into that and seeing how we can apply it to our daily lives. And you know, some of those topics have been kind of challenging. Some of them have been encouraging. And today I hope that you know, this message would fit into both of those categories, that it would challenge us and it would also be encouraged encouragement at the same time. So each one of us have decisions that we have to make on a daily basis. What are you going to wear to school today? What are you going to wear to work? Uh, What am I going to eat for lunch today? Should I get up when the alarm goes off or should I hit the snooze about 14 times? So if you hit the snooze about 14 times, that's going to lead to your next question or decision that you have to make. Now do I have time to take a shower before I have to go to work? So a recent study by Cornell University said that we as adults make about 226.7 decisions a day. But the best part is, it said that's for food alone. I don't know about you, but I I didn't think I thought about food that often. 226 times we make a decision daily based on food. He said, the average adult makes around 35,000 decisions a day. When I read that, I was like, no wonder I'm like mentally exhausted at the end of every day. (laughs) So obviously, like these reasons that we just talked about, you know, they're not life altering and they're not, going to necessarily change the course of your life. But, you know, many times in life we do face those decisions uh, that, that kind of charts the direction that we're supposed to go in life. You know, what about this career change or uh, buying or selling your house or beginning or ending a relationship with someone? These are the types of decisions that we need to ask ourselves, and it's kind of today's title of my message is, am I making decisions that God can bless? Are we going to make decisions that God can bless and that brings honor and glory to him? So if you have your Bible or if you want to open up and follow in Luke, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 12. We're going to camp out there for a little while. And we're going to talk about Abram and some of the stories Uh, life decisions that he had to make starting in genesis chapter 12 verse 1 said the lord had said to abram leave your native land your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that i will show you i will make you into a great nation i will bless you and make you famous who doesn't want to be blessed by god I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All of the families on earth will be blessed through you. So think about that for just a minute. It's like Pastor Kevin just said a while ago. Do we always get it right? Do we always do what God asks us to do? Do we achieve perfection this side of heaven? No. But when God called Abram, Abram stepped out in faith. He took that step of faith. And because of his obedience, God created a covenant with Abram that he would make him the founder of a great nation. And that not only would he bless that nation, but all the nations of the earth would be blessed through his descendants. See, God promised to bless Abram, but there was one condition. Abram had to obey God. It all starts with obedience. So let's read on. It says in verse 4, So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran and headed there for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem. There he set up camp beside the Oak of Morah. Is that one of those words that I just breezed right past like you said last week? At that time, the area was inhabited by the Canaanites. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. After that, Abram traveled south and set up in the hill country with Bethel to the west and I to the east. There he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord. So you notice that word, another. So that tells us right there that Abram built multiple altars throughout his life. So many times when we hear the word altar, we think of a sacrifice. And and that's true. There were sacrifices made on altars. But an altar also is a place that symbolizes communion with God. I think two reasons Abram would regularly build altars was one, as a place of worship, and as a reminder. Of God's promise to bless him. So not even Abram could survive spiritually. He needed without those reminders of God's goodness and his protection and his promise. So building those altars helped Abram keep God at the center of his life. So if Abram Needed those reminders. Don't you think we need reminders as well? And don't we think we need some help as well? I know I do. So it, I'm sure you've heard that analogy before that you know, you, you take your car to the gas station and you fill it up and you go out and if you don't ever go back to the gas station, what you're going to be? You're going to be stuck on the side of the road somewhere. It's kind of the same way with our spiritual walk. Yeah. You fellowship with a body of believers be refilled, refueled, and then you go out into the world. You think this world is a gas station? No, it's more like a gas guzzler, huh? It's, sucks every bit of the life out of you if you allow it to. So we need to be reminded and refreshed just like Abram did. So how can we, just like Abram, how can we keep God at the center of our lives? I'm gonna give you just three quick ways. This is obviously not an exhaustive list. Number one, spend time in prayer. What is prayer? It's simply a conversation between you and God. That's all it is. You you, you talk to God just like you talk to your next door neighbor or your wife or your husband. And we have direct access to God the Father through what we just celebrated, what Christ did on the cross. We need that relationship with him. If you're married, you long to spend time with your spouse. It's the same difference, I mean, same thing with Christ. We should long to be with him and spend time with him and get to know him. And he already knows us. So we need to get to know him and how he wants us to live our lives in a way that be a blessing for us and glorify his name. Holly and I just celebrated 25 years a couple of weeks ago and because I've spent the last 25 years with her just about every day other than being out of town or something like that, I can tell you just about how she's gonna react to things what she's going to say to certain things, if we go out to eat, if we go to a particular restaurant, I ain't just about to eat what she's going to order. Why? It's because we spend time together, one-on-one. Same thing with Christ. If we spend time with him, one-on-one, that intimate, personal time with him, we get to know his heart and his desire for our life. Number two, says, read your Bible daily. We can't rely on our feelings to guide us through life. We'd be wandering around like there's no tomorrow. And we certainly can't rely on just the guidance of our friends. Now, there's nothing wrong with godly counsel. But you have got to find direction in the word. There's no substitute for it. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Which brings me to my third point. Obey God always. I'll ask you again. Do we always do what God asks us to do? No, we miss it. For various reasons, whatever they may be. We have a sign on our refrigerator at the house that says, obey God and leave the consequences to him. So that's saying, whatever he asks you to do, obey him. If you don't see what it is, In the end, where you're going or what it might look like, take that step of faith and leave the consequences to him. Let's continue reading. Verse 10. So they had had gotten to the land of Canaan. They entered the land of Canaan. Verse 10 says, At that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abram to go down to Egypt where he lived as a foreigner. So let's just hit pause right there for a second. Can can you see it? Abram is, he's fired up. I have done what God asked me to do. I'm walking in obedience with God. I have gone where he told me to go, even though I don't really know where we're gonna wind up, what it's gonna look like. He gets to the land of Canaan and bam, Famine hits. And in my simplistic mind, I couldn't help but think of that movie back from the 80s, National Lampoon's Vacation. (laughs) Chevy Chase and them get their vacation plan. He goes and gets his new car. They make the trek across country from Illinois to California. And they get to Wally World and bam, it's closed. So you can see where Abram's mind would probably be at at this moment. So why do you think that God caused a famine to hit the land of Canaan when Abram got there? I think it was to test his faith, to see if his faith was really strong. In my opinion, I think he passed it. But why? He didn't second guess God. And he left the consequences to him. He said, I'll obey you, and I'll go where you want me to go. So the next time that we're facing that difficult situation or that difficult situation in life, I would encourage you, don't second-guess God. Obey him and leave the consequences to him. Leave the situation and let him guide our steps. Let's continue reading. In verse 11, it says, As he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abram said to his wife, Sarah look, you're a very beautiful woman. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Let's kill him. Then we can have her. So please tell them that you are my sister. Then they will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. So up to this point, we've been talking about Abram 's obedience and his faithfulness and just like that, what does Abram do? He starts acting out of fear, so we asked Sarah, his wife, to say that you 're my sister. Now Sarah was his half sister, but she was also his wife, so we kind of told one of those little white lies. ever told one of those so Abram intended to deceive the Egyptians, and he knew that like, if, if they knew that Sarah was his wife, they would kill him to get to her. But he was going to be safe and be treated well if they thought that he was her brother. So again, just like that, it doesn't take long for Abram to lose his faith in God. After all the promises that God had given Abram, after all the blessings that God had given Abram, Just like that. It can happen that quick. And again, if it can happen that quick to Abram, can it happen that quick to us? Absolutely. So let's continue on uh, with verse 14. says, And sure enough, when Abram arrived in Egypt, everyone noticed Sarai's beauty. When the palace officials saw her, they sang her praises to Pharaoh, their king. And Sarai was taken into his palace. Then Pharaoh gave Abram many gifts because of her, Sheep, goats, cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. But the Lord sent terrible plagues upon Pharaoh and his household because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh summoned Abram and accused him sharply. What have you done to me, he demanded. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she was my sister and allow me to take her as my wife? Now then... Here's your wife, take her and get out of here. Pharaoh ordered some of his men to escort them, and he sent Abram out of the country along with his wife and all his possessions. So as I was preparing for this message, I, I kind of debated how I want to say this next statement, but after last week, when Pastor Kevin said the word idiot up here, I thought, I think I'm pretty good. I might be okay. Okay. We are all one decision away from looking stupid. Can I say that word? Yeah, the kids were gone, so they, they didn't hear it. So, who's ready for some college football? Any college football fans? So, wives, here's your free, not part of the message part that if you've got a honeydew list, you've got about two or three weeks to get your husband to do that, because after that, he's going to be camped out on the couch every Saturday, binge-watching some college football. So I say that to say, how many times have you been watching your favorite team play, and, you know, it's going to be halftime, and, and you've got a, your coach has to make a decision whether he's going to go for it on fourth down or he's going to take the points and kick a field goal. And you're like, man, he should take the points. And then he goes for it, and he fails, and you're sitting there like, what are you doing, stupid? That was the dumbest thing you could have done. Anybody else do that? I do that. I second-guess the coach all the time. I could do so much better. (laughs) So even when you think you've got it all figured out, and all together, you still got that one thing that's gonna make you look really stupid. I remember back when I was, i just turned 15, and just got my driver's license, and my dad let me take the car to go see one of my cousins that lived about two hours from where we lived at the time. And we left his house, and we were going back into town. He kinda lived out in the country, and it just started raining, and me, being the veteran driver at 15 years old, I knew how fast to go, took that curve a little too fast, slid right off the road into the field, and out of like 50 acres, I found the one eight-inch light pole. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm going to miss it, I'm going to miss it, I'm going to miss it, bam, It against the right front corner of the car. So I come up with this grand scheme that I'm gonna tell my dad when I get home, and I'm not even gonna take what I told him because it's stupid. But I thought I had it all figured out. I've got, I, I got the wool pulled over his eyes. He'll never know. He read right through me like a book. He knew, he knew exactly what happened. And looking back, I look like a dummy, thinking that my dad is going to believe something like that. So, which kind of brings me to my next point. It says, in our lives, we need a consistent way to make good, wise decisions. So, in the story that we've been reading, Abram had some difficult decisions about life to make, and really, his his decisions were based on two factors: whether he was focused on God or whether he was focused on himself. Last week at youth, our our topic was absolute truth versus relative truth. And in that discussion, the the old saying came up, and I'm sure you've heard it, what would Jesus do? I sat there thinking, I was like, how are we going to know what Jesus would do If we don't ask ourselves this, what did Jesus say? How are we going to know what Jesus said without spending time in His Word and reading our Bible and asking and allowing the Holy Spirit to help us make those life-altering decisions that may change the course of our life? So let's keep reading and start and, and. This is chapter 13, verses one through four. So Abram left Egypt and traveled north into the Negev along with his wife and Lot and all that they owned. Abram was very rich in livestock, silver and gold. From the Negev, they continued traveling by stages towards Bethel and they pitched their tents between Ethel and Ai where uh, where they had camped before. This was the same place where Abram had built the altar, and there he worshiped the Lord again. So in Abram's day, things like sheep and the cattle and the goats and things like that, that was like a precious commodity to them. They used those to trade for goods and services. They used them to make material for their tents as they you know, traveled along. Um, and Abram, having all of this wealth, he was, he was able to just almost see his wealth grow daily. So I guess even back then, the old saying was, the rich get richer. I guess Abram just kept getting richer and richer because he had that money. So in verse 5, it says, Lot, who was traveling with Abram, had also became very wealthy with flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle and many tents, but the land... "...could not support both Abram and Lot with all their flocks and herds living so close together. So disputes broke out between the herdsmen of Abram and Lot. At that time, Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land. Finally, Abram said to Lot, "...let's not allow this conflict to come between us or our herdsmen. After all, we are close relatives." The whole countryside is open to you. Take your choice of any section of the land you want, and we will separate. If you want the land to the left, I'll take the land on the right. If you prefer the land on the right, then I'll go to the left. You don't have to raise your hand, but if any of you have ever had conflict with other family members, I see hands, and I I said, don't raise your hands. And I, I hear the laughter. That tells you all you need to know. So, what, what I'm going to talk about here, it might sting a little bit, and you, it might be like, when I get through with this, you might be like, mm, I don't really think so. I don't, that's not for me. But you see, Abram gave Lot first choice. Lot was Abram's nephew, so Abram was older. That gave him the right to first choice. But he gave that choice to Lot. Even at the risk of being cheated, he gave that choice to Lot. and said, you choose the land, and I'll take what you don't choose. So what, so what does this example that Abram set for us show us how we can respond To family situations that we may face today? One of them is take the initiative in resolving that conflict. That's a hard thing to do. Because both of you may be sitting there saying, Well, if if he makes the first move, I want to resolve the conflict, but I'm not I'm not moving first. I'm waiting on him. Well, what if the other person's sitting there thinking the same thing? You're never gonna resolve that conflict. So take the initiative in resolving conflicts. Number two, it says, let others have first choice, even if that means we may not get what we want. It would have been easy for Lot to use his right to choose first, to say, I'm gonna choose first and you're gonna get the leftovers. But no, he said, I'm going to let you choose first, and what you choose, I'll take the leftovers. Number three, put family peace above, above personal desires. No matter what your heart's trying to tell you, I don't really want to love this person. They're so hard to love, I don't want to talk to them. Put family peace above your personal desires. Hebrews 12, 14 says, Work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. So again, even those people that are really difficult to love, in those difficult situations, choose peace. And God will bless you for it. Verse 10, it says, Lot took a long look at the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zoar. The whole area was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord or the beautiful land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flocks and servants and parted company with his uncle Abram, So Abram settled in the land of Canaan and Lot moved his tents to a place near Sodom and settled among the cities of the plain. So do you see the difference between Abram and Lot? You see, Abram wasn't, he wasn't trying to scheme against Lot and get one up on him. He wasn't trying to be controlling of Lot and say, we're gonna do it my way and you're gonna get the leftovers. I'm gonna get first choice." He was thinking about Lot. But then Lot, on the other hand, well, he just used his common sense to look at the Jordan Valley and say, man, that looks like good fertile land that I can take my cattle and take my sheep and even get more because of the fertile land. He didn't, it didn't take much faith for Lot to choose that fertile land. So, what happens next to them? Abram was reassured once again by God's word and promises. He blessed him. But Lot, on the other hand, if you read on in chapter 14, which we're not going to do today, he suffered the evil of Sodom, and he wound up being taken captive and lost everything that he owned. So when we make decisions, again, this is not a comprehensive list, but there's four things that we need to ask ourselves. I think we should ask ourselves. Number one, how am I making this decision? Am I focused on God or am I focusing on myself? Is this decision gonna bring glory to God or is it gonna make life easier for me, just like Lot did? Number two, does how I arrived at this decision reflect that I know and trust God. Like we talked about, it didn't take much for Lot to make the decision to choose that land in the Jordan Valley. Number three, does my decision activate my faith? And faith, simply put, just means you trust God with the outcome of every situation. You take that step of faith, even when you don't see what is in the end and where it's going to go. Even if the decision that we make is gonna br- may bring trouble and trials to our lives, you still obey God and he'll bless you. It says in John 16, it says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Anybody ever experienced trials and tribulations? I know I do. Pastor Kevin talked about it earlier. The ultimate example of this is Jesus. He obeyed his father What did it do? It cost him his very life. But that's not where the story ends, right? right. We know how the story ends. He defeated death. Just like he's overtaken the world, he's defeated death. And number four, does my decision reflect the grace? of Jesus Christ does my decision reflect God's goodness and God's promises to each of us would you close your eyes with me for just the next few minutes and I'm gonna wrap up I know I'm running long and I'm gonna get you out of here every one of us in here today we have decisions that we have to make on a daily basis. Some are hard, some are just nonchalant, but there are decisions that we have to make every day. And in this room, we've got a number of different races, nationalities, ethnicities, single, married, young, old, the list could go on. But ultimately, in this room today, there's two groups of people. Those that have surrendered their life to Christ and those that have not. So my question is Do you, have you experienced that saving grace of Jesus? Have you made a decision of one of acceptance Taking that step of faith just like Abram did. You don't know the end result of all the decisions, but you stepped out in faith just like Abram did. Or is it one of rejection, kind of like Lot, and said, I think I'll do things my way. I think I've got it together. It's a little bit easier. Looks a little bit more appealing, kind of like the Jordan Valley did to him. Father, I thank you so much for your Word that you have given us. I thank you that we have an instruction manual to walk through some of life's most difficult situations. Lord Jesus, as we celebrate communion today, I thank you for your obedience to your Father, even to the point of your death and death on the cross. God, I thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit to help us, to guide us, to lead us through the most difficult of days. God, I pray that if there's anyone in this room today that has not experienced your saving grace, Lord, that today would be the day of salvation for them that we would celebrate with them in their decision to make you Lord and savior of their life God help each one of us to make decisions that would bring glory and honor to you and decisions that would you would bless that we could make your name famous to all the nations, whether it be right here on the Gulf Coast or whether it be around the world, that your name would be known to every nation on this earth. Thank you, Father, for your goodness, in
0: Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, would you give Stephen a hand? This morning, it's funny, one of the, the greatest fears of people, when you look at the lists, is, is speaking in public, um, and uh, really, really proud of him for, for doing that, and you know, I'm challenged in the decisions that I have to make on a daily basis, and I love the, the kind of the grid that he walked through, of how can I make decisions that are going to honor God? They're gonna make God famous. That are gonna bring God glory. That God's gonna be able to bless. And uh, I hope you are challenged in that way. And hopefully, for some of us, this will be a week of making some maybe different decisions than we've made in the past. I'm gonna let you know one more thing, and then we're gonna. Then I'm gonna dismiss you guys. Um, we are gonna be entering into something uh, September, October, and November. It's three months, and uh, we're calling it a 90 day tithe challenge. You know, one of our values here at um, Hope Church is joyful generosity, and here's why. God has been so generous to us and blessed us in such a way that our only proper response to that is to be generous. And so many of you guys are generous in in, in your giving. We've been able to be generous as a church. Uh, We don't talk about this probably enough. We've been able to support missionaries and missions partners here in the States and around the world on a monthly basis because of your generosity. We were just able recently to help uh, the church that we rent this facility from, Crossway Church, um, help with some repairs for an AC unit that had gone out. We were able to come alongside them and help them in in, in those costs because of your generosity. But here's the thing: if we're going to be generous people, I, I think one of the the best ways to kickstart that, and we, the Bible says it this way: we're it's more blessed to give than to receive. Um, and we hear this word sometimes in church, and, it's, and people get all caught up in it. It's called the tithe. It actually comes from a Hebrew uh, word, uh, Mosea, which literally means tenth. It's, that's, that's the word that it comes from. And it's this idea of, okay, God, you've blessed me in such incredible ways, and I'm going to turn around and give one tenth of all that I make, that you've allowed me to make, that I've had the skills to make. I'm going to give it back to you. And let's just be honest. It sounds a little crazy to give 10%. It just does. But in Scripture, God just simply says this, hey, will you just test me on this? Will you do what you should with the tithe and test me on this and see if I don't open up the windows of heaven and fill your barns, and he's talking to an agricultural culture, fill your barns to overflowing. And so here's what we're gonna be doing in September, October, November. Maybe you've never in your journey of faith with Jesus, never taken the step to allow God to manage your finances in the way that he lays out for us in scripture. This is gonna be an opportunity for you to do that. We'll we'll start signing people up or giving an opportunity for people to be signed up next week and and certainly on the 27th. And it's, it's almost like a money back guarantee. That sounds kind of funny to say in church. I feel funny standing up here saying that. But this is what we believe, not because of anything that we can do. But if, if you would just be there today and you'd say, you know what, I, I I give occasionally, sometimes I give, but you would be honest enough to say, I've, I've never really walked this tithe thing out. If you would take that step for uh, September, October, November and, and make that commitment to do that, at the end of the 90 days, if God hasn't met your needs and supplied for you, we'll give you all the money that you've given during those three months back to you. Not because we have anything, but we believe what God's word says. Amen. And so um, this is just a way for maybe some of us that, that have not allowed God's principles and his guidelines to infiltrate all of our life. And uh, let's just be honest, sometimes our finances is the last thing that we give God control of. Um, this is just a step and an opportunity for you to experience generosity and, and to experience what Jesus told us, that it's more blessed to give than to receive. So you'll be hearing more about that next week and the following week as well, but I wanted just to put it out to you today. Would you stand with me to your feet right now? We're gonna pray. God, we love you. God, thank you that you desire for us to make decisions that bring honor to you, that make you famous, that that allow our lives to look different because of the difference that you've made in it. And so uh, would you help us to be reminded of those those things this week? God, would you be with us as we go, back to our jobs, back to our schools, back to our neighborhoods in our communities, and would you remind us that every single person that we meet, today at the restaurant, later today at the park, in our office tomorrow, every single person that we come in contact with, whether they frustrate us, whether they aggravate us, whether they make us feel good, every single person you created and have a heart for and love. And uh, would that just impact the way that we treat them and what we say to them? We love you, Jesus, and thank you for your faithfulness to us. In your name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have an amazing, amazing afternoon. We will see you again soon. Thank you.